Only last September, Commission President von der Leyen stated that it was paramount to now investigate the Nord Stream pipeline attack and that any deliberate disruption of active European energy is unacceptable and will lead to the strongest possible response. The strongest possible response. Well, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Seymour Hersh, probably the most legendary investigative journalist alive, just published a report that presents detailed claims that, on President Biden's orders, the US, with Norway's help, blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. Hirsch has a long track record of journalistic integrity. This was a premeditated terrorist attack on European critical infrastructure. It was also environmental terrorism. Does the EU care? Who did it? Or do you want to know? Hirsch says the US did it. Did you just ask him? Did you just ask him to do it? Or, or did you just ask them questions anymore? Have we become so subservient? Has the EU become so subservient to US empire that you can't even ask them if they did it? Is it a fucking joke?
stranger days ahead strange days 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 by the bobby lees from their album bellevue from last year strange days indeed you know in these times when we're always told to listen to the experts and follow the experts legendary journalist seymour hirsch releases a story you know the guy who released um the who broke the story about the my Lai massacre in the vietnam war um where u.s soldiers gunned down a bunch of women children and elderly the guy that released the story about the abu Ghraib prison scandal uh, that detailed how the U.S. is holding prisoners and torturing them. Um, same guy. Same guy. And now, all the time when he releases a story, it gets denied, denied, denied. And then eventually it turns out to be completely true. So, he's done it again. And he's released a story about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And you might not know about it. This is maybe getting too much into the weeds. But doesn't seem to be making much of an impact. Nobody cares. Strange days indeed. Just like Mick Wallace pointed out there, one of the two politicians that have some balls in the European Parliament, him and his partner Claire Daly, fantastic. I love watching them speak. I just wish that we had politicians that had guts to stand up and say things like that. Wouldn't that be great? Just one? Just one? I haven't heard any. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just haven't been listening carefully enough. Maybe I'm wrong. I sure hope there are somewhere. If there are, get in touch with me. Let me know, because I'd like to hear it. You're tuning in to Cheap Tuesdays, 101.5 UMFM. And uh, we're looking at the 1950s this week in our continuing series of Doomsday songs. If you haven't been tuning in, um, yeah. <laughs> Where do I start? I'll try to keep it short. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. These are the experts. And they are the experts in war, in nuclear energy, nuclear weapons, international relations, politics. They've been doing this since 1947, this thing called the Doomsday Clock. And they release, at the beginning it wasn't every year, but it's been every year for the last something like 20 years at least now. They uh, have a clock and the, when, the, it, when the hands hit midnight, that's it. The complete destruction of the world and the entire fucking human race. So we don't want it to hit midnight, right? So the experts about now a month ago, they did their um, doomsday clock for 2023, 90 seconds to midnight, in large part due to the war in Ukraine. And uh, 90 seconds, that's the closest it's ever been. So in human history, because it's only been since, you know, 1946 or 45 or whatever, um, that we've had the ability to destroy the entire planet. So an entire human history... We have never been this close to completely destroying the entire planet. And that's according to the experts, not according to me, according to the experts. So, you know, the narrative we've been sold is if you, if you don't listen to the experts on climate, you're a, you're a climate denier. You don't listen to the experts on vaccines, you're an anti-vaxxer. Okay, well, the experts are saying this about war, and they're saying this about nuclear war. So are you going to be a climate denier? Are you going to be an anti-vaxxer? Or are you going to listen to the experts? So I, for one, am going to listen to the experts, and since I have a public platform, I'm not going to stay silent about this anymore. We need to end this war. So what I've been doing is taking a look at dangerous decades and taking a look at the most dangerous year in that decade, according to the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. 
playing some music from that year. Not telling you about the artists. See if you can guess the year. You can have a little bit of fun while you're trying not to think about the end of the fucking world. And uh, in between each set, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that year and uh, why it was considered so dangerous. And then at the end of the whole combination of sets, I'll tell you what the year was and how close to midnight it was so we can compare it to today's setting. So we've looked at the 2000s, we've looked at the 1980s, we've looked at the 1960s, and we're going back to the 1950s. So this might be a challenge for some of you who aren't up on your 1950s music. I know I wasn't before I uh, started listening to tracks, but you know, there's a lot of really, really great music. I was kind of surprised. I was expecting it to be a tough haul, but I ended up with um, more music than I than I wanted to play. So uh, enjoy it, and I'll come back and tell you more about uh, the depressing shit after the music.
back on Cheap Tuesdays, Doomsday Songs, the 1950s. So the main conflict in the 1950s was, of course, the Korean War. Lasted from 1950 to 1953, where upwards of 5 million people lost their lives. Unlike any other time in Cold War history, uh, this was essentially a direct confrontation between two nuclear-armed powers, the USA and the USSR, at a time when World War II was still directly in the rearview mirror. Remember also that uh, nuclear technology was still completely new, and no one really knew what to expect from this new reality where the two seeming superpowers in the world both had the ability to completely wipe out the entire world at the push of a button. I'm feeling mighty lonesome Haven't slept a wink I walk the floor and watch the door And in between I drink Black coffee Love's a hand-me-down broom I'll never know a Sunday in this weekday room I'm talking to the shadows One o'clock till four And Lord, how slow the moments go When all I do is pour Black coffee Since the blues caught my eye I'm hanging out on Monday My Sunday dreams too dry Now man is born to go alone Woman's born to weep and fret, to stay at home and tend her oven and drown her past regrets in coffee and cigarettes. I'm mooning all the morning, morning all the night, and in it's nicotine and not much heart to fight black coffee feeling low as the ground it's driving me crazy this waiting for my baby to maybe come around
So World War II, again, was directly in the rearview mirror, just finished a few years before the 50s started, right, 1945. So anyone who was paying attention would not be unreasonable to expect another world war to begin with this conflict, complete with the dropping of another atomic bomb like those that had been dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. In fact, the very famous idea of duck and cover, which we all basically laugh about now, was the reality for people living at that time. School children all across the Western world were taught what to do if there was a nuclear attack by Bert the Turtle, which uh, started in 1951. Seriously, think about that. What would you think if that was the reality for school children today? Some of you out there might have kids. What if your kids were being taught to duck and cover by Bert the Turtle, and every day they had to practice getting under their desk to hide just in case of a nuclear attack? Would you be okay with that? Would you think that that was normal? March of every year When the income tax man comes around Every year when the income tax man come around, I'm always broke, baby, and then you let me down. Now, when I had money, I had friends from miles around. Come on, put it by, by your loving baby dear. 
learned in school, or we should have learned in school, about the dangers of McCarthyism. Although, uh, since McCarthyism is now alive and well again, I wonder how many of us actually learned that. Because now, as soon as you say anything against the war, people automatically accuse you of being Russian. We're right back in the 1950s with fucking McCarthyism. But we learned about how it was a dangerous thing. Senator Joseph McCarthy, with his briefcase of secret lists of people that he assured us were working with the USSR to undermine democracy, many innocent people were dragged up in front of kangaroo courts to explain why they had views that ran contrary to the quote-unquote normal views that democracies held in the early 1950s. That was the social climate of the early 50s and the mid-50s. People turned against each other for fear of being accused of being Russian spies. Remember that at one time in the 50s, things would get so bad that the Rosenbergs would both be executed as spies, something that most scholars now acknowledge as being completely unjustified.
1950s. What year were we talking about? What year did all this stuff happen? What year did all this music come out? What year were the Rosenbergs executed in? 1953 is what we were talking about. And as fucked up and scary as things truly were, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists said that at that year, we were two minutes to midnight. Okay, reminder, we're now 90 seconds to midnight. Worse than the 1950s. Worse than all that shit that I just told you about. 90 seconds to midnight. Silence is no longer an option. Stop the war in Ukraine. Negotiations must go forward. Peace must achieved before, be achieved before it's too late. Don't keep sending in weapons to the situation. Don't keep sending in money. How is that at all going to help? The only thing that's going to do is get us a step closer to destroying the entire fucking world. So do me a favor, pass this message on to whoever you can. If you're so inclined and you're in Canada or in America, wherever you are listening to this, because I'm not right now, talk to politicians, go to town meetings, go to town hall meetings, confront them, ask them what they're doing about this, ask them if they're pushing for peace or if they're just sending more weapons and more money, because this shit's got to stop. Controversial statement time, and it's only 2023 that this could be a controversial statement. The Ukraine is not worth destroying the fucking world for. It's time to stop this shit. So speaking of all this fun stuff, like ending the fucking world and all of that, I've been uh, watching some doomsday movies. And, uh, you know, we talked last two weeks ago about the 1980s, also a very dangerous time. I believe it was 1984 that was the most dangerous year. And it was, I think, three minutes to midnight. 1983, a couple of pretty great movies came out uh, about the end of the world. Um, The better of the two movies, I thought, uh, was called The Day After. And uh, it was a TV movie, oddly enough, which is crazy. Um, Jesus Christ, you've got to see this movie. I, I really liked this movie. Uh, the depiction of an actual nuclear attack. So that actual explosion was fantastic. And then the last half of the movie with the fallout and what happens to people. I mean, it's, it's disturbing. And uh, looking into this, they, they did a ton of research before they they made this movie. They put a ton of research into the script. So keep in mind that possibly there are some things maybe we know better now or that things have changed with the weapons. But as far as 1984 was concerned, or 1983 was concerned, this was uh, super realistic. Uh, And I I was amazed by it. I think it honestly should be mandatory viewing across the entire world for high school. Uh, I think everybody should have to watch this because I honestly think that people don't know anymore it's, it's passed out of people's memories because since the end of the Cold War, we haven't really been thinking about nuclear technology anymore and what it can do. And this is a great reminder. So I highly encourage you to go and seek out and watch uh, The Day After. Um, according to Wikipedia, which is not always a great source, so take this with a grain of salt, this may have been responsible for President Reagan thinking about you know, signing uh, agreements with Gorbachev and stuff like that. So uh, possibly had a great influence on the world. The other one, uh, the the reason why I'm not playing the score for that one, by the way, is because there wasn't a lot of music in it. Uh, And most of the music that was produced was apparently edited out. And it was a good choice because it was much better without music. Uh, The other one that did have some music to play was, I thought, the worst of the two. It's called Testament. And it's also 1983. And it takes a, a bit more of a personal approach. And in that way, it's interesting. 
Um, the day after is more about a whole community and you see lots of different perspectives and stuff, but Testament basically sticks with one family. And, uh, that aspect to it was interesting and it was very low budget. Um, but good. The acting's good. I just thought it was a little maudlin in places, a little, uh, a little overly sappy. Um, so I, I didn't quite get into it as much as the other one, but still definitely worth checking out. Um, the score was done by James Horner. And uh, if that name doesn't even ring a bell for you, I promise that you've heard some James Horner scores in your life because he's done Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, Aliens, Willow, The Field of Dreams, Mask of Zorro, A Beautiful Mind, The Amazing Spider-Man, Braveheart. He's done a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, unfortunately died uh, six or seven years ago, eight years ago now in, a, in an airplane accident uh, at 61, but uh, had quite a few scores to his name. Um, good stuff. So we're going to play as much as I can cram in now that I'm done shooting my mouth. I <laughs> uh, hope you had an, an interesting show anyway, even if it's not always so enjoyable. I hope I uh, interested you somewhat. And tune in next week where I will pretty much wrap up the series by looking at the 1940s. So this is Chief Tuesdays, 101.5 UMFM. Take care of yourselves, folks. See you next week.